What are some of the conspiracies within Scientology? The wife of the leader of Scientology has been missing since 2006. No one knows her whereabouts. There are a lot of stories like this within Scientology as well as tales of abuse, mistreatment, neglect. We need to peel back the layers on this and look at what's really going on. And again, why it really matters and how Christianity and Christianity alone offers the true freedom that people are trying but failing to find in cults like Scientology. We're back with Jeremiah Roberts and Andrew Songkrant. This is part two of the two-part series on Scientology. They're the hosts of the Cultish podcast, which I highly recommend. Uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. So this is going to be the moment we're going to maybe jump in and kind of get a little tinfoil hat-ish, kind of, you know, get let's into the conspiracy it. world. Let's but do it. Yes, that that's what, where I was about to go anyway. So that's yeah. perfect. Awesome. And so when you look at, uh, so it was around 1967, after Ron, L. Ron Hubbard had established the Church of Scientology, uh, the IRS had revoked its tax-exam status. And this would, I think this would have been a slap in the face to L. Ron Hubbard, giving what he had very, on a matter of public record, seeing he wanted to utilize a religion as a way to obtain wealth, to be rich, you know, whatever his motives, uh, true motives were. And so what, what ends up happening is because of the fact that they have their t IRS tax exam status, you basically had a period of years where you had multiple – you think about Watergate. You had just a small little – like uh, maybe like 12 or so people who you know spied on another campaign. And you think of everything that happened with the Nixon administration. You had roughly around 5,000 – I think 5,000 members of the Church of Scientology who are actively involved on multiple different fronts in the government, not just the internal Revenue Service, but just trying to obtain documents, trying to forge documents, basically everything to uh, take revenge, uh, lash back, um, and do whatever needs necessary to get their tax-exempt status back. Uh, it's a pretty wild story of infiltration. In fact, I, when I was initially doing my research, I was thinking, how are they not made a movie about this? Well, I mean, if they did make a movie, it probably wouldn't be wouldn't be starring Tom Cruise for sure. But um. Yeah, Andrew, how would you describe a very Cliff Notes version of this? Because this is you did some research on this. Um, how would you how do you kind of describe very Cliff Notes what happened? Because it's connected to some of the other issues with Scientology and the tax exempt status. Yeah, I think that you did a pretty good job actually uh, examining the Cliff Notes. But what I find interesting is that first there is a uh, there was something written by L. Ron Hubbard in terms of a doctrine that was put forth that from this doctrine they extrap extrapolated uh, the uh, snow the operation snow white to occur and what's actually funny from it is that uh l ron hubbard's wife kind of took the fall for it and he kind of threw her under the bus by being like i didn't tell them to go do this i just actually just created this doctrine that they extrapolated from i think you actually did a really good job with that cliff notes version but when we're yeah. even talking about terms of conspiracy uh we're not referring to uh conspiracies with no verifiable evidence we're talking like conspiracies in terms of how joseph's brothers conspired against him to throw him into a pit actual historical conspiracies where the church of scientology conspired against the united states government and this is things that actually did happen it's important to understand that distinction as well 
Yeah, and so what ends up really what ends up happening at the very pinnacle of the whole story of Operation Snow White, and you can de- people can definitely look at. There's other podcasts that go into this in depth. Essentially, you had two main characters who were doing the the most of the the primary infiltration, and by the time they had uh, were at the top level and they were even being interrogated by the FBI because people were suspicious about these two people that were Scientologists who had infiltrated the government. Essentially, there was one person who, one of the two people who wanted to come forward and be a whistleblower uh, on the Church of Scientology. The Church of Scientology got word of that and they actually held this person in solitary confinement under which is illegal it's kidnapping mm-hmm. um so and this and this is something that has been a regular basis all throughout the history of the church of scientology it happened to mike rinder it happened to multiple other people who were held in a facility uh, against their will a lot of people think that's what's currently happening to shelly miscavige and we could we'll definitely jump into that in yeah. a second but really what ended up happening is that spies usually are good at a couple things. They're good at spying, and they're also good at escaping. So this person, even though they're held in confines to the Church of, uh, by the Church of Scientology, the per- this person ended up escaping, and he went to the government, uh, spilled all the beans, and event- essentially you had a raid done by the FBI with a roughly about 150 agents who went into a couple different uh, head- Scientology headquarters facilities. They filled up probably a U-Haul moving truck worth of documents, and it was a very con- it was a very bad PR issue for the Church of Scientology. What ended up happening, how that's connected, is that if you move forward a couple decades, L. Ron Hubbard passed away. Uh, David Miscavige was roughly around 21 years old at the time, and he really took over Scientology and really ruled with an iron fist. I mean, he really, anybody that was in any sort of, uh, any slightly op- opposed to him, he threw them to the wayside, had them pretty much destroyed, um, and he really rose to power, and then he still is the head of Scientology uh, to this day. And where this uh, goes, where this goes from here, is, was the issue of Scientology's tax-exempt status. There's a moment. I'm not exactly. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but essentially, because Scientology had their tax-exempt status revoked, they had a tax bill that was bigger than all of their assets put together. So you put two and two together. That's an accounting issue. That's that. That means that Scientology is not sustainable. So Scientology waged a war uh, with the IRS. That I mean, you think about you know you get a letter from the IRS and just the initial anxiety. Oh no, you're getting audited. You know we have the story. You think about the story that just broke. Was it about a year ago about the IRS seventy thousand new IRS agents mm-hmm. and. You think about how people are like, oh my gosh, that's so nervous. Well, Scientology, they're like, we're going after the IRS. And they, you had roughly about 2,000 lawsuits from individual people all against the IRS, but they didn't stop there. They thought, well, no, we're not just going to sue the IRS. We are going to find out who the agents are and we're going to sue them. So you had personal suits against people for all sorts of different reasons. So you had people who are IRS agents who are just, this is their nine to five, right? This is how I can provide for my family. And all of a sudden, you have some people outside of your window who are spying on you, who are going through your garbage, who are finding every little thing about you. And now it's it's hitting you from all of these different angles. So in summary, eventually they were told uh, – the head of the IRS, I can't remember his name, but he was basically told that they just renew Scientology's tax-exempt status. This will just all go away. And they did. And you'll mm-hmm. see it. You can actually look this up online. There's this Scientology convention. Just you should watch just a little bit of the video because it just, it shows you the culture. It's very similar to North Korea with how everyone just applauds on command. I mean, it, it's hard to even describe. You'd have yes, to see it. Yes. But there's this pinnacle moment, and Mike Rinder talks about it in his book, where 
Miscavige basically says, the war is over, and all these fireworks go off, and everyone does this crazy thunderous applause, and so they got their tax-exempt status back, um, mm-hmm. and ever, so ever since, their, their tax bill went away, but not only that, every every bit of money that they made they, that they made since then, when it comes to the bridge to total freedom, when it comes to you know all the different real estate purchases around the world, which is how they moved a lot of their money around, all that is currently tax free under the guise of uh, a religious institution. Okay, y'all. I've gotten so many messages just over the past few weeks uh, from related bros, related gals telling me that you have finally bit the bullet and gotten your good rancher subscription. And you know what? You guys have expressed some regret in your messages. Every message without fail, I I see that I just regret not doing this sooner. So that's probably you too. Like if you have not gotten your subscription to Good Ranchers, just know that once you do it, once you go to GoodRanchers.com and you use promo code Allie to get that discount on your subscription, you're going to be like, why didn't I do this years ago? But better late than never. Here's the thing with this subscription. Not only does it make your life a lot easier, not only are you guaranteeing that you are only supporting American farms and ranches by getting all of your better than organic chicken, your craft beef, your seafood, your pork, all of it from Good ranchers, uh, but you are also locking in your price for the next two years. So whatever you pay today for this subscription, that's what you're going to pay for the next two years. With inflation, that's not the case if you are continuing to buy your meat from the grocery store. So you're just wasting money every time you go to the grocery store buying meat, meat that's probably been imported from overseas, even when it says made in the USA. So It's really a no-brainer. I mean, this is also a Christian conservative-owned company, so you want to support them too. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout to get $30 off your order. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Tell us a little bit more. You mentioned Shelly. I don't know if it's Miscavige, Miscavige, but so basically there is not even a conspiracy, but I guess questions about Shelly because this is the wife of David, who you said is the head of Scientology, has been for a very long time. Basically, she disappeared from public life in 2006. People haven't seen her. You mentioned Leah Ramini. She was someone who was in Scientology, now speaks out about the toxicity, the dangers of Scientology. And she tweeted um, earlier this year, she said... uh, uh, today is Shelly Miscavige's 62nd birthday. The last time Shelly was seen in public, she was 43. I hope I can wish Shelly a happy birthday in person one day. Until then, I will keep fighting for my friend's freedom no matter what. So what do we think is going on here? Andrew, what are your thoughts I on honest, that? Yeah, I honestly have no idea. I think she was last seen in public in 2007. Uh, I think 2013, there's like a welfare check done. Uh, by the Los Angeles Police Department. Honestly, I have I have no idea yeah. where she is in terms of uh, the fair game doctrine given by Scientology that if someone is a threat to Scientology or the Church of Scientology, there's essentially no restrictions, right? Intimidate, do what you can in order to keep them quiet. I don't know. I can only surmise maybe she knows something that could be extremely damaging and she's hidden somewhere. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's dead. I don't know. Wow. I, I, I really hope. She isn't dead. Yeah. Uh, but but that's no one really knows. Scary that's scary to think there's been like a lack of 
intent investigation into the disappearance of someone who was public. I mean, that's a little strange, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's history of that within Scientology. Like people didn't even know where L. Ron Hubbard was for the longest time. Was he living here in California? Was he living there? He was living on a ship. He was evading tax uh, uh, situations yeah. like I mean, who knows what the Church of Scientology is telling people? They could just be saying, oh, she's fine. She just doesn't want to talk. But yeah, there should be an intense investigation because this is someone who's made in the image of God. And God yeah. says, thou shalt not murder. And if someone murders a human being, there needs to be justice. So even if we don't know, though, in this life what happened to her, I know and I have faith in God that at the consummation of all things, that justice will occur for Shelly Miscavige mm -hmm. and those who hurt her, they will actually have to stand in hold an account before God. Yeah. And that's a terrifying thing mm. to behold, but that is something that will happen one day. And we actually, as Christians, have faith in that. Yeah. So I pray, though, that justice occurs in this life, but regardless, it will occur one day. Yeah. Tell us, yeah. A, tell us a little bit more about some of the tactics by Scientologists to kind of uh, intimidate people, to torment people into silence. I have i don't know how much y'all know about this, but I've just heard there's also... Um, just with the controlling nature of its own members, um, I think I saw it in that Netflix documentary that you were talking about, basically forcing parents to uh, abandon their children, um, leave them in the care of strangers that they don't know. They're always trying to try to divide these relationships that might end up being yeah. a threat, even if it's parent-child relationship or, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they will encourage abortion or i've even heard stories of forced abortion in some cases i'm not sure if that's in the name of some kind of threat to this person's membership or in the name of success or or what it is but there's a lot of coercion and it seems like a lot of criminality and violence that goes on within scientology yeah well it's, it's interesting you mentioned the forced abortion the uh the actress who plays the lead role in the handmaid's tale yes i can't remember off the name, her name off the top Moss. of my head she Yes, she's on. It's funny because that whole premise, you know, you think about people who protest an abortion law, they always get in Hammy's Tale office. They're always feeling those evil Christians yeah. who want to force women in, in red cloaks. But when you look at reality, is that she's an active Scientologist, mm -hmm. and there's numerous accounts publicly independent lines of testimony, witness verified records of women who are in the Sea Org, they end up getting pregnant. And the Scientology, like, they get forced to have an abortion. Mm. So literally, it's one of the ultimate examples, too, of projecting, hey, I want to go ahead and articulate this idea to demonize one group when it's a fact the very religion that I'm doing is forcing women to get abortions. And, and I think, too, a lot of it just comes down to worldview. When you look at even a lot of the cases of abuse of people who – of children who grew up in Scientology, again, it's a worldview issue. It's, it's how – what are – what? How does Scientology view children? They view them as grown-up adults who are trapped in children's bodies. That's how they view their own children. And so that would go very part and parcel to how you deal with them, how you punish them, how you train them. Uh, there's sort of no – you're not really allowed to be a child. There's no level of innocence or growing up, and that's really articulated in a lot of the episodes of uh, Scientology The Aftermath. But honestly, you even see this too articulated in uh, the relationship that Tom Cruise has had uh, with the media. And so, so and Tom Cruise initially, you know, everyone knows he was married to Nicole Kidman. Mm -hmm. He uh, met her on the on the set of the Days of Thunder. That's when they're related the NASCAR movie, and that's when their relationship really flourished. Well, 
really, Miscavige at that time was really nervous about that relationship because one, Nicole Kidman was not a Scientologist. And what ended up really even derailing that relationship was the fact that I believe Nicole Kidman's father was on the board of some sort of psychiatry institution, which that would have put into the fair game tactic. And that would call for disconnection because there is even a loose association. This is not, you know, Nicole Kidman isn't like a specific on publicly collaborating with her dad. It just so happens her dad is that she's mm-hmm. an actress, right? Mm-hmm. You think all the scenarios that lead, that would lead up to that. So that would be also in a very public eye how a disconnection would happen. But even on the most personal level, if anyone has watched Scientology: The Aftermath, um, you would see just the devastation of just everyday people. Like I got, there's multiple times in that show, like I'm even people who aren't Christian, like you see the hurt and the devastation. Like there's times I'm watching mm-hmm. that show, like just with tears down my eyes. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting emotional just talking about yeah. it. But that's what, that's when you show like, these are people who are made in the image of God. And when you see this counterfeit, like as a Christian, like it makes me angry because mm-hmm. there's levels where you see like a scripture that says like the gods, the, the, those who have gone, the sorrows of those who have gone after another God will multiply. And so you see that on like a theological issue, but when you see people actually dealing with it, it's, you can only, your heart can only break for them. And in fact, there's a guy, Aaron Smith, he was on the the Lex Friedman podcast not too long ago, just sort of talking in, in Scientology when he gives his own story of how he lost the relationship with his brother. Like I've heard that story multiple times and there's a moment where all of a sudden I'm listening to the podcast and all of a sudden it goes silent. I'm like, what, is there something wrong with my volume? I'm like, oh no, he's telling the story like with his brother again about how he mm-hmm. lost the relationship with his brother. And yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely heartbreaking. I think honestly, this is where as a ministry, as Christians, where we would differ from people like Leah and Mike Rinder and guys like Aaron Smith. Like I have so much appreciation what they do for what they do, exposing the abuses of Scientology. But I think because they aren't beginning with the fundamental presupposition that these people are made in the image of God, they're the Mago Day, and that ultimately Jesus Christ is the hope of the world and the hope for those who are both in Scientology, for those who have come out of Scientology. Um, you can't like, how do you give an ultimate accounting? Like, where do you, where, what's your fundamental presupposition or starting point to even point out spiritual abuse to begin with? Uh, the, you know, the existence of a counterfeit predicates the authenticity of an original. And so what you end up seeing is that people, what people are longing for and what they end up getting is a result of investing into a counterfeit. And that's why it's important, we see it prominent, not to approach the subjects of the cults from a point of neutrality, but from the from the presupposition that Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, He is the hope of the world. He is the hope for all those who put their faith in Him. He's the hope for all those who have experienced spiritual trauma and the abuse. He is the He is the authentic in the replacement to the counterfeit. And so, one of the things, Andrew, let's just jump in here a second. The reason why I was kind of mentioning the issue of tax exempt status, I believe this is where. I, Leah, Mike, those who are advocating uh, right now, and Mike talked about this on the podcast where he, his real mission and motivation right now is to try and get the IRS to revoke Scientology's tax-exempt status uh, again. And I think what happens is that a lot of people who are secular, uh, who deal with the issue of the cult, they tend to sort of look to the state as the main arbiter between to kind of arbitrate and deal these things out. What ends up happening is that if you're 
mora- the position of morality ends with the state, then you are ultimately leaving up to the state to decide what is loving your neighbor, what is telling the truth, what is bearing false witness. And there's been multiple accounts, too, where you've seen the state involved where they have not handled, they have not spoken uh, in justice. Like, they haven't really sought out justice for people who are victims of cults. There is a... Um, uh, there, there's a HBO documentary. I'm I'm trying to think of the name of the cult. It was uh, Luz del Mundo, I think it was called, mm. and it was this cult that was based out of Mexico. That and all these women were child brides, and they came forward and, and exposed the abuses were of just really the predatory nature of these quote unquote apostles, and. They were told during this trial that this person would receive justice, they would not get a plea bargain, and at the very end of this case, uh, the state changed their mind, the state of California, and said, no, we're actually we're going to give this apostle a plea bargain. So you constantly see those who leave the arbitration for dealing with cult abuse in the hands of the state. The state has been a terrible and inconsistent, unequal weights and just, uh, unequal just and weights, uh, really arbiter when it comes to dealing with the cult. Okay, guys, let me tell y'all about an amazing sponsor that over a million people use to protect themselves and to protect their family from pornography, and that is Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a software uh, that has all different kinds of tools that can protect you from the predation of porn. So there are a couple different things. With Covenant Eyes, you can use their accountability feature on their Victory app that tracks your online activity and then sends your online activity to your chosen trusted accountability partner. So if you access pornographic material or you're looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at, your accountability partner will be able to see that. And then, of course, that transparency, that accountability um, can keep you disciplined and can help you practice the self-control that glorifies the Lord, protecting your heart and your mind. And then they also have software for kids that can actually block porn on their devices. It also sends you a detailed report of the things that they have been looking at. So these are just accountability, transparency features um, that you can use another tool in your tool belt in the fight against pornography, not just for yourself to protect your marriage, but also for your kids to protect their minds. Kids access porn at earlier and earlier ages. It's so important for us to put these safeguards in place. Covenant Eyes makes that really, really easy. Go to covenanteyes.com. And when you do, you can go to covenanteyes.com and you can enter code Allie at checkout for 30 day for a free 30 days. Covenanteyes.com code Allie at checkout for a free 30 days. Covenanteyes.com code Allie. I want to just kick it back just a little bit in terms of what uh, Ali was asking with uh, family separation or even forced abortions. Uh, you mentioned the Sea Org, Jerry, and I think that's a distinction that we have to help the listeners understand. So there's something called the Sea Organization, which is a religious order within the Church of Scientology, that which is their working arm, essentially. Remember, we talked about the Bridge of Total Freedom. The Bridge of Total Freedom costs so much money. So if you can't pay yeah. for it, you might as well sign what is called the billion year contract and devote yes, your life yes. to the Church of Scientology so that you can work the whole time in order to pay for those auditing sessions so you can go up 
the bridge of total freedom. And they pay these people very slim, main, mainly just living, right? You can go and look at places in Clearwater, Florida. There's videos on YouTube where there's apartment buildings where people are just, they're fully bought by the Church of Scientology and they're sitting there living inside these buildings, not in good conditions. If you listen to our uh, episode that we did with Mike Rinder, he clearly describes in his book, A Billion Years, and in the interview, what it was like living aboard, I believe it was the Apollo, what he was on, the same boat that L. Ron Hubbard was on, what the living quarters were like for the members of the Sea Org. But essentially, in order for the Church of Scientology to function, it functions off of the people in the Sea Org. And so when people in the Sea Org uh, engage in sexual relation and people get pregnant, the organization doesn't like that because it takes time away from the organization. You want total devotion to the organization and those within the Sea Org also want to devote themselves. I mean, these people end up working over a hundred hours a week. They get worked down to the yeah. grave. So essentially what happens is families are split. There's even children from children from the Sea Org that just go into specific schools for the Church of Scientology and these people never see their parents again and they're raised essentially by uh, a cult. Like that's the reality of what's going on. And these children are put put even to like forced labor. Yeah. Building and specific things. Like Jerry said, there's there there are these like full grown uh reincarnated beings trapped in just a little child's body. So that's the reality of what is going on. And yeah. like Jerry said, we live in a society today where since we've gone so far from the word of God, we don't actually have a standard in order to actually bring justice to what is happening to these little image bearers. Yeah. Uh we we said that they're protected under a form of religious freedom, but according to the Bible, that is something that uh, these children should be free from, mm -hmm. from a cult that is uh, destroying their lives. And Mike Rinder even said it in a billion years. He wrote that book. It's right in the beginning. He says he wrote it so that if his children ever want to know about him, even after he's dead, like that's his plea to them. Like, this is what my story is. They, they have animosity uh, for him. Yeah, and he, he wrote that just so maybe one day they could pick it up, and I believe they're still in within Scientology. They can pick it up, they can read it, and hopefully they can know him a little bit better. So that just gives you an idea, just that right there. And Mike Rinder's struggle to get his connection back with his family, of what happens yeah. within the family unit uh, in the Sea Org, yeah, and in Church of Scientology. Yeah, I I just want to read this story that I found. It was uh, reported by ABC. This, um woman who joined Scientology at a very young age sued Scientology for forcing her to have an abortion. And the case ended up being settled. Um, but her name was Laura DiCrescenzo. And this was reported in 2018. DiCrescenzo signed Scientology's billion-year contract when she was just 12 years old, moving out of her yeah. parents' home in New Mexico. I don't even know how in the world this could happen, but and into Scientology's pack base in Hollywood, DiCrescenzo alleged in her lawsuit that she was falsely imprisoned, isolated from her family at times, subjected to rigid discipline in the rehabilitation project force, and forced to have an abortion when she became pregnant as a teenager. In court papers, attorneys for Scientology denied each and every allegation. She joined the Sea Org, or she married another member of the Sea Org at 16, became pregnant at 17. Um, and these stories really aren't that uncommon. She certainly isn't the only one to make these accusations. Was there anything in there that you guys feel like you need to break down? I know you you talked about the Sea Org and the billion-year contract. Is there anything else in there that people need to understand? I would say just, uh, just worldview. I mean, if you are grown up teaching and you know, if your parents... 
And if you are true, if you have a you know husband and wife, and you are true believers in Scientology, like you really believe that your child is just an adult uh, trapped in this body. Mm. So if you're twelve, if you're twelve years old, you think about what what sort of decisions do you have to make independently when you're twelve years old in a perfect world, right? Yeah. Um, Definitely not signing any sort of contract that's worth a billion years. I mean, twelve divided by a billion. I want to. I know my mouth is a little bit rusty at the moment. Yeah. But the reality is, is that that's this is what they believe. And again, you. It's very easy, you know, to hear something like that. Like you're crazy. How could you let your child sign this contract and all this sort of stuff happen? But this is this is what happens when whether it's Scientology or any of these groups where you become a true believer and get radicalized, like you. Don't think about this sort of thing until you get on the outside, and then when you actually wake up, there's – imagine like the parents. Imagine coming out of Scientology. If they're the parents and they come out of Scientology, even if they're not Christian, and say they're in a focus group with you know Leah and Mike and say they're on Scientology, the Aftermath, the Reunion episode, if that happens. Imagine like them having to explain, I – let all this happen to my child, and I thought this was a good thing. Can you imagine the guilt and the imagine the shame? Um, that's just one thing you have to do. Was so definitely just that fundamental worldview issue. That yeah. that would be the primary thing. And it just again, this is just people are just they're they it's very cut and dry, black and white. This is L. Ron Hubbard's policy. It doesn't matter what the relationship, whether it's child to parent, parent to child, parent to grandparent any sort of relationship, uh, sometimes even with pets, uh, that they enact the yeah. fair game and disconnection. Uh, what are your thoughts real quickly, Andrew? Yeah, because we once we deny biblical principles, our society goes down a slippery slope. And what I mean by that is the, fam- the family government is something instituted by God where your children are yours, essentially, that you are to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So if you think, if you deny biblical principles, and if you think Scientology is weird, well, what we have to understand is if our government isn't founded upon biblical principles and your children aren't yours, then they they then belong to the state. You can look at China. uh, Very similar things are happening. The children aren't necessarily belonging to their parents. They're indoctrinated through specific uh, communist schools with communist ideology. So that's the reality of the situation is that the reason why we're angry about Scientology and the things that are going on is because we live in a nation that is built upon Christian principles, but those are slowly dissolving. I mean, we interviewed Yaomi Park and she gave us very chilling warnings from her book while time remains. And she's saying we're headed down a very similar path, right? Where you can't say this, you can't say that you got to believe this, you got to believe that Uh, certain things are being taught through public school systems that influence the way, uh, people are relating to one another, creating uh, forms of conflict through intersectionality, uh, taking away rights of individuals, and soon maybe even taking away the rights of the family in order to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So the reality of the world that we're living in is that our government isn't too far off from Scientology. Uh, the only thing that's keeping our government at bay, I'd say, is the hand of Christ and the blessings mm-hmm. that we have inherited through the principles of a biblical nation from the beginning of our society. Yeah. So. If it bothers you, we need to do something about it as Christians. We can't stay silent. We should be, um, you know, be yeah. vocal, act as the rod to the state, bearing the truth to our local magistrates and telling them we need to repent of the things that we're doing and uh, follow God in A, B, and C yeah. in order for our society to flourish. 
Yeah, even though that would be a really good place to end, I still have another question that I've been hanging on to. <laughs> and, and probably it will be my last question, but we'll just see. What is it do you think about Scientology that is so attractive for people who are already rich and powerful? I understand the appeal for people who want to be rich and powerful, who maybe are struggling in their acting career. But it's a two-part question kind of. But Because you see, okay, Tom Cruise and you see... um. John Travolta, Elizabeth Moss, why are they attracted to Scientology and not just self-help or not just some other kind of like, you know, self-promotion, self-improvement program? Why are they in Scientology? I'll just let you answer that first part of the question and then I'll get to my second part. Andrew, go for that, man. Okay, yeah. So the reason why is because Scientology, and then Mike Rinder talks about it in his book. He was also telling us in the interview, is Scientology like headhunts people. Like they go to them. They want, uh, they're very pragmatic, like I was saying earlier. They want people who are in positions of quote unquote power in order to uh, be spokesperson for Scientology. Like uh, John Travolta is a good example that's used in the Billion Years book, where this guy was not even really a full believer in Scientology, yet they kept going after him and going after him, trying to headhunt him down. Even David Beckham. Guys, they tried to get David Beckham to be part of the Church of Scientology at their headquarters. They had built a soccer stadium oh my just gosh. for him. Wow. And he never ended up showing. Wow. Like not a Good. stadium, like a soccer field or whatever. Yeah. He ended never up showing. He's like, I don't want to like I don't want to be a part of this. So I'd say they headhunt people, but I think what the why people are appealed to it is something that we talked about earlier, is that uh, because we are sinners, there is a veil, right, between man and God. Uh, Jesus Christ destroyed the veil, but only where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What every other cult seeks to do is say, look, there's a problem with humanity, and this is how you can fix it. So they're appealing to an innate uh, sense within the person that there is something wrong, and this is how I can fix it. And that's why people are appealed to it. There's something that they believe that they can do in order to achieve some form of divinity or godhood. I mean, Satan said it to Eve in the garden. He said, God doesn't want you to take of that fruit because he knows you will be just like him, knowing both good and evil. It appeals to the very innate sense of our fallen nature to say, no, I don't need God to achieve these things. I can actually do it myself through these elementary principles, which are described in uh, Colossians yeah. 2. So I'd say that's what it is. We're fallen human beings, and that's why they're uh, pulled to it. But Jesus Christ is the only solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll just say real quickly, uh, as we have up here, Allie, is that it's really an issue of looking at the – starting with the authentic, right? So it's very easy to, be, to become – there feels like there's this pressure that you have to become an expert on every single cult. Well, not really. It's it's good to be. It's better to actually be more familiar with the authentic. Like, what does the Bible actually say about this? Like, what's the ultimate foundation of truth? So you look at what does it say in the Book of James about favoritism? It says that if you end up having someone who's a rich person who has all this decor. Uh, sitting in the very front of your house church or congregation at the time in the first century. But you say to the poor person, the beggar in the back, no, you sit in the back. You sit in the back where no one else can really see you. Like that's condemned. Like James, the, James spoke out against that. Uh, so, but mm -hmm. when in Scientology, you have the exact opposite of that. So when you look at how celebrities like Mike, uh, that uh, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, uh, in fact, this is articulated too in the documentary Going Clear. I think it was Tom Cruise's 42nd birthday where he's on this private yacht. Everyone's applauding his everything. He's got servants beckoning to his every call. It is, uh, it is one of his mansions or penthouse suites that the Scientology fully funds. 
that's a very that treatment of Tom Cruise is polar opposite of somebody like Andrew Menchin who's over in Clearwater, Florida, who's living on whatever the wage is like fifty bucks a week on minuscule things. You don't see that. In fact, one of the most interesting things too is that when I watched the documentary Going Clear, I rewatched it again. When you see the interactions that uh, Mike Rinder has with this BBC reporter, you look at his face. He looks twenty years older. And this is from 20 years ago. Mike looks 20 years older than he did in our interview with him. Hmm. Like that's the amount of uh, sleep deprivation, uh, like abuse that people face. So there's that's one of the distinctions is that there's completely radical, unjust weights and measures if you're a rich, powerful person or celebrity versus someone who's just on the outskirts. Okay, y'all, Jace Medical is the only service in the United States that prepares you for medical emergencies with antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. Through their telemedicine process, they can get you a year's supply of all the medications that you and your family need. So those prescriptions that you take on a daily basis, also a stash of antibiotics should you or a family member have an infection. You can't get access to these medications through the normal means for whatever reason, supply chain issues, we're in some kind of emergency apocalyptic situation, something with your family where you just can't get them the way that you need to, it's just better to be safe than sorry. This is a great way to protect your family should anything happen. Hopefully, you'll never have to go into this stash. You'll never need an emergency uh, supply of medication. But if you do, it'll be there. And so it can give you that peace of mind. You don't have to worry about being in some kind of catastrophe and not having antibiotics and not having the medic- uh, medications that you take on a daily basis. So go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie at checkout when you do. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, code Allie, jacemedical.com, code Allie. And I guess, I mean, this answers my second question is that, okay, I guess I understand, you know, everyone wants to exchange, who is not in Christ, everyone wants to exchange the God of Scripture for the God of self. It manifests itself, I guess, in different ways, some people through Scientology. And so I understand if you're like going up these rungs, you're getting more and more power, you attribute that to Scientology, you stay in it. But someone like someone who is in Scientology, they're guaranteed all of the success and prominence. You know, they're love bombed. But you realize at a certain point that this isn't really working. Like there's this guy, Danny Masterson. He was a part of that 70s show. Apparently he is on trial for rape as we're recording this. We don't know the conclusion of all of this, of raping multiple women. He relied, according to the AP, on his prominence in the Church of Scientology to avoid consequences for years. This again is another example of what you're talking about. The state just not caring for victims. Um, but okay, he, this person, he's high up in Scientology. He's been able to rely on his prominence in Scientology to avoid these consequences. But he's not, no one knows who he is anymore. Like he's obviously hasn't become more successful. He hasn't gained more prominence. He hasn't booked all of these jobs. Like it, at, at some point, it's it's a little bit odd. Like don't you look around and say, oh, they promised that I was going to be this huge star like Tom Cruise, no one knows who I am since that 70s show or Joy, mm-hmm. uh, Joy Vila or any of those people. Like, I guess it's just delusional. I don't know. I guess you're just so far in it that you just are detached from reality. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a, a YouTube channel. I'm just going to give a plug for. I've never talked to this guy, but it's a YouTube channel called Growing Up in Scientology, and the host of that channel does a, he does daily content. And he's done a lot of really 
in-depth analysis of that specific trial. To be honest, I've only seen it in passing. I've seen occasionally Mike Rinder will tweet or Leo will uh, say sort of will tweet something about that. But I do know a lot of what they are saying is that they are fundamental presuppositions in Scientology, uh, Ron Hubbard's treating uh, teachings, but also just in general, like what how going up the bridge, how it changes you psychologically and even mentally, where you sort of think that your actions are in, in don't have consequence. And so I believe a lot of what they've articulated is the beliefs of Scientology are very part and parcel to this, to this uh, rape case uh, from what I've seen. Uh, Andrew, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I just think that there's promises that people are given uh, within any cult-like situation and within a cult, typically the only people who are really benefiting are at the top of the pyramid, right? Uh, we see that all over the place. So other people are going to suffer and their life is not necessarily going to work out for them. And this man is just one example of that. I mean, sometimes the Lord lets people prosper for a time and then he takes it all away from them in form of judgment. So, that's something that I see happening with Danny. I didn't even know about this until you just started talking about this alley. So yeah. man, uh, I pray that justice occurs that, uh, he goes to court. I don't even know really what's going on with the situation and that justice occurs. So yeah, yeah that's just what happens. There's always empty promises within a cult, but the only people who mainly really benefit from the cult are the people up top. Yeah. Like he wasn't fully up top. He was just being used by the cult as propaganda. Yeah. And again, just like the great distinction between a cult like this and Christianity, that Christianity is so upfront that we say, hey, like, you know what? You're actually going to lose. You're going to lose a lot of your success and possibly your material wealth. You could possibly lose everything for following Christ. And we're not guaranteeing you success at all. We're not guaranteeing you certainly like a good reputation or power or prominence. In fact, you could lose everything if you follow Christ. We're not promising anything in this life except for forgiveness, freedom from your sins, the joy that comes with chasing after God. That's what you get. We're not promising you anything else. And Christianity is so upfront about that, that our reward ultimately fully is eternal. Um, and again, just, I mean, every cult, but every form of worshiping the God of self rather than the God of scripture flips the gospel on its head and offers you something temporary in exchange for your soul. And I mean, we're asked this, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world, yeah. whether it's in the form of Scientology, whether it's in the form of worshiping wealth, whatever it is, but lose his soul. Um, so I appreciate this. This was a really great two-part rundown that we did. There's so much more to talk about with Scientology, just like anything else, but I do hope people will go and listen to y'all's episodes that you've already dedicated to Scientology, listen to some of the people that have had those firsthand experiences. Um, there's always more to learn, and as always, we pray for these people. Um, we pray for, you know, David Miscavige. Like, we pray he's, you know, made in the image of God. We pray that God would soften his heart, that he would turn to Christ. That's what we pray for all these people. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on, Allie. Okay, if you are looking for another way to support the people, the entities that actually align with our values rather than the ones that support our values, then it's time to switch to America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and that is Patriot 
Mobile Patriot Mobile supports the First and Second Amendment. They support the sanctity of life. They support the things that you and I do. And they offer dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without worrying about supporting the progressive causes that some of these other wireless providers support. Plus, they make switching really easy. They've got a 100% US-based customer service team. Their customer service is amazing. They can help you switch really quickly, really efficiently. Plus, with my code Allie or my link Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie, you can get free activation. So they really do make it so simple. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie with the offer code Allie. You'll get that free activation. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie code Allie. Free uh, uh, free activation at patriotmobile.com slash Allie code Allie. Hey, Relatabells and Relatabros, if you could please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to Relatable, that would mean so much to us and it really does help the show. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. Thanks. Thanks.